This is Betty. I'm the witch from the north. And I'm Lancel, the island witch. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rosemary, Rosemary by the Bucketful. Bucket Welcome back to another episode of Rosemary by the Bucketful. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We have a special episode planned. We're going to be talking about Yule and the Wheel of the Year and any of the holidays specifically tied to this time of the year. So let's deep dive into this topic. So Yule is the second dark harvest on the wheel of the year and is commonly celebrated between December 21st to January 1st. It's a festival of Germanic origins and is also known as the winter solstice. However, Yule has not always been directly synonymous with the winter solstice and instead has been referred to as its own season. Interestingly enough, many modern pagan practitioners currently follow the traditions of the Wiccan-influenced Yule, which has its origins in the English version of the festival. I'm going to be taking a different approach for this episode. I'll be mostly speaking about Saturnalia, but the thing is that both these celebrations tie in with the winter solstice. So what is winter solstice? In this case, the winter solstice is it's the darkest night of the year, and it's also the day which the sun starts coming back. So we're celebrating the days that are getting longer. So with winter solstice, we see many cultures celebrating at this time of the year. Most likely, three-fourths of the population celebrates Christmas, and that has many aspects of winter solstice and, as previously mentioned, Yule and Saturnalia, which I'll be further discussing. So, what Saturnalia is, it was a it was a Roman festival which celebrated the winter solstice. It was an honored tradition in which the agricultural god Saturn was honored and many people used wreaths and decorated the home with greenery. Mostly it was vines, ivy. It was originally celebrated on December 17th on the Julian calendar. In modern times we are using the Gregorian calendar, so it would fall on December 25th. So if we look at Christmas, we also celebrate Christmas on December 25th, which also correlates to Saturnalia. In the Bible, we don't really see any specific date or time of year which Jesus was born in. So many scholars were debating that the 25th of December was taken from Saturnalia, since it was talking about the return of the sun. Um. I like how you mentioned the crossover between certain religions or festivals throughout cultures, because we see a lot of that around this time of the year. Throughout history and culture, we find that nearly everyone has a holiday surrounding the winter solstice, so it's not owned by pagans or specific to Celtic cultures. When looking beyond the surface to the origins of Yule, we'll find some interesting history. Uh, the word Yule is English in origin, and even further than that, the Old English word is thought to be derived from Old Norse, which was a pagan winter solstice festival. So, uh, Old Norse, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Jule. Oh yeah, I know it has Jule too, so you're most likely right. Yeah, um, which was a pagan winter solstice festival. So, even though its roots are in heathen Germanic and Norse practices and legends, it's now largely 
English influenced. Yes, I agree. Also, funnily enough, Egyptians celebrated the winter solstice. We don't necessarily see the use of evergreens um, since they didn't have that in Egypt, but they used palm leaves and palm trees since it was, I think it was a symbol of longevity, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, I, I like how you said that. Um, and it's um, for the winter solstice for them, they they tend to worship or um, their festivals are tied to the worship of the god Ra. Yeah, I agree. Like, even if it wasn't, let's say Egypt, it was obviously different from Roman Saturnalia and different from Norse Germanic Yule, but they still had many crossovers, mostly the winter solstice. Yeah, yeah. So in their festivals, that's kind of where they go with it. They, they go to worshipping the god Ra because it is the return of the sun. And in modern Yule celebrations, there's actually a strong focus on the rebirth of the sun. So Yule's the tipping point from the darkest night of the year, as you mentioned, into the rebirth of the sun and all its blessings. So it's known as the second spoke on the wheel of the year as we turn and we come into the winter solstice where we have the equal parts of dark and light and then we're turning into accepting more sun into um, the seasons. Since we are talking about the sun, there are so many aspects of modern day Christmas which actually incorporate the sun. I know that you made orange decorations, used dried oranges. So the whole thing about the orange being correlated to Christmas, Yule and Winter Solstice, I'm not gonna be the, like deep diving into the whole, into the whole like folk story, but it actually has ties to Santa Claus, um, specifically Saint Nicholas, which um, stories tend to differ, but it's either three gold balls or three sacks of gold in which he gave to um, he gave to three girls who didn't have a dowry. So they were gonna be sold into slavery if they didn't have a dowry and with that money they could actually afford one. So this tradition pulls from Victor the Victorian era where since modern day people even like modern day people can can't afford like balls of gold for Christmas. So they used oranges and oranges were regarded higher in value since they were imported from Spain. Yet it was cheaper than actual balls of gold. So we see that correlation. I love that you mentioned that in the crossover of uh, like some of the uh, symbolism and traditions throughout history and cultures, because we find a lot of that in our holidays. Um, in modern times, where we have crossovers from different cultures and traditions, um, and they're celebrated uh, worldwide. Um, so I just, I find that interesting. And um, your story made me think of, uh, I just recently read Temperance Alden's Year of the Witch. And in the section on Yule, she talks about how there are ties with Santa Claus and um, the wild hunt with Odin. Yeah, I just, I found it really interesting because I did not know previous to reading her book um, about that, so I found it really interesting um, that there are correlations between Odin and the Wild Hunt and Santa Claus and his uh, reindeer, so to speak. Um, yeah, so basically, um, in her book, she talks about Odin and the Wild Hunt and its um, ties or similarities with Santa Claus, 
um, basically, let's see here. She says it's thought to that the myth of Santa Claus is directly related to Odin and it's backed up by evidence that uh, Santa's eight reindeers um, were paired with the eight leg, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, sleep near? Sleep near? Yeah, and then they, apparently they both had uh, elves and dwarves that made things for them. So it was like a similar concept that was um, translated into uh, a different uh, tradition or religion, which I thought was really interesting. I'm gonna like go on the note of what you just said about Odin and his wife Hunt. From what I know, how the folk story continues is that if you're caught outside in winter solstice, since Odin and his wife Hunt will be like going out in the streets fetching like the people who died that year you'll be found dead or be taken away so i find that really interesting with the correlation that it's the darkest day of the year it was harder for people to survive right and it's also a time where it is the dark portion of the year um where people show reverence for the dead um, and a lot of people connect this with Samhain but it's also part of the Yule celebrations where you're honoring your ancestors or the dead at a time where their presence would be missed. Yes yeah, since especially we're in the darker part of the year for us it's gonna be like our relationship with time is different since we have artificial lighting and modern technology but it was so much harder for people in the past to live without modern day heating that every single action you like know that if you didn't harvest have a, like a good harvest you might starve to death and it's going to be a harder time of year so i think that's why it correlates to that aspect right and um even if you are a practitioner who doesn't necessarily uh, resonate or follow a specific tradition or religion you can still celebrate yule um, and i did have some points on that being that you know the wheel of the year can tie into the farmer's almanac and for somebody who may be secular could uh, use that as a reference point in ways to celebrate the different uh, holidays on the wheel of the year that are void of any sort of religious connotation or specific paths. Right. And um, even if you are a practitioner who doesn't necessarily uh, resonate or follow a specific tradition or religion, you can still celebrate Yule. Um, and I did have some points on that, being that, um, you know, the Wheel of the Year can tie into um, the Farmer's Almanac. And for somebody who may be secular, could uh, use that as a reference point in, in ways to celebrate the different uh, holidays on the Wheel of the Year that are void of any sort of religious connotation or specific paths. Yes, I totally agree. With the whole date eating, I think it's a great idea with working with um, a sun god or goddess. But if you don't really feel compelled to, you can always just work with nature. Um, shameless plug, we did an episode on this, episode 2, on deity work. I'll link it up in the eye above. Yeah, I think you can totally work with a deity if you feel compelled to and believe in a deity or some divine being. If you're leaning on the more agnostic, atheistic approach, you can always just work with nature. It can also lean into animism, which the whole tradition with the Christmas tree, its roots are in animism. 
there are multiple originations of the Christmas tree, but prominent one is either of druid tree worship and the other one is Norse paganism where Viking people used to hang Christmas trees upside down on their doors and evergreen branches on their windows and in their kitchen. So I find that's interesting. Right, yeah. I think it corresponds with the whole idea of protection and then also fertility because these trees were uh, classified as evergreen, meaning that they didn't bloom and then die with the seasons. They stayed green throughout the whole entire year. So um, the same can be said about uh, mistletoe, where I believe it's mistletoe blooms in the colder months. So this was seen as a sign of virility and fertility. I'm gonna say mistletoe's poisonous. If you're gonna try and work with mistletoe, be careful about that. I don't want anyone touching mistletoe with or ingesting it or burning it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Good good on you, Lancel. <laughs> we need to put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get sued. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> so before we continue, I did want to uh, recommend um, The Year of the Witch by Temperance Alden as a book for learning about the different seasons and connecting to the Wheel of the Year and maybe some of the holidays or traditions throughout it. Uh, she takes a really great approach and focuses on intuitive magic and connecting with uh, Mother Earth. So I really enjoyed that book. And if you're looking to learn a little bit more about Yule or about the Wheel of Year, then I highly recommend that. I also have two great book recommendations. I mentioned this before. It's Kitchen Witchcraft by... I forget the author's name, but it's more than um, celebrating the Wheel of the Year, but it has multiple activities which you can do on each Sabbath if you choose to practice or celebrate that Sabbath. And the second book is the Druidry Handbook. It goes into Druidry, but there's also a section about Yule and some other Sabbaths, which we associ associate with the Wiccan Sabbath. There are some different ones, but um, they're under this, a different name. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, for instance, you can see... Um the tradition of making a Yule log kind of overlap throughout as well. Uh, uh, and you'll see that in more like English um, traditions, but you'll also see it in like Germanic and Norse traditions where they'll, they'll take a log and they'll burn it for protection or fertility um, on the longest night of the year, which is winter solstice. Yes, I agree with that. Also, I like desserts and foods. You can also make an edible Yule log, which I'm gonna make this year. Because I like chocolate, so... Also, if you can't, like, burn a Yule log, you can always make an edible one. You get to eat it, so... Exactly. See, I'm, myself, I'm not much of a baker, so I went into the woods and harvested some uh, pine and whatnot, and we're gonna be making, we, my children and I, are gonna be making a Yule log um, this weekend actually when this episode airs, so perfect timing. <laughs> um, but there are other things that you can do as well, and maybe we can talk a little bit about of some of the things that um, you can do uh, to celebrate Yule. For this year, I made a laurel wreath, and we don't have mistletoe here, so I use another type of berry. We see the combination of red and green being really traditional colors. Also, laurel wreaths were they made in Saturnalia, which we just discussed about that earlier. One of the things that I'm going to be doing with my children is making what is called witches balls. And 
Yeah, I'm very excited um, to make them with them. And essentially what it is, uh, a lot of stores, including like the dollar store, the Dollar Tree, um, will sell these empty glass uh, ornament balls. And the premise basically is to fill the ball with certain herbs and things for protection, for fertility, for whatever really that you desire. And then you hang them in like your window or outside. Um, you could put them on your tree if you are having a tree um, to celebrate the Yule season, but that's not necessary. So I'm going to be hanging mine in the window and we're going to be using things like cinnamon, bay leaves, probably some pine because I harvested some of that for the Yule log and different things like that. So that's one activity that you can do for yourself, with your family, um, in your practice, whatever you decide. Yeah, the whole thing about the witch's ball tradition, it's not really um, originally used in Yule or the winter solstice. It's more of a modern adaptation. I don't think we have the time to talk about the whole tradition on witches' balls, which is super interesting. And I think Heartwitch made a whole YouTube video about this. I think we can link that in the description since research is fun. And necessary. Yes, agreed. That's something that we would want to put a disclaimer or just encourage. Um, like a lot of the things that we mentioned in our episodes are things to encourage you to take that with you and go and do your own research and elaborate further with your own research and what resonates with you. Also, do you know what's important? Safety. I don't want anyone burning a log on a table. Yes, fire safety is extremely important and you need to be aware of that at all times. Never leave a candle burning unattended. Never leave candles near something that is flammable. <laughs> Especially if it's these like dry laurel wreaths or like pine branches. I know people start fires with pine cones, so that's going to be really dangerous if you're not careful. Yes, I did want to note specifically pine cones and acorns. Those two things you should throw, specifically acorns, you should throw in the oven for a, a brief period if you're harvesting them from outside because acorns specifically can have parasites in them, like little parasitic worms. I also wanted to mention a couple, um, another resource, actually. Um, uh, recently, I found a website called learnreligions.com. Oh yes, that's such a good site. Yeah, so learnreligions.com has a few posts on the history of Yule and then like creating Yule logs or different decorations or traditions that you can do to celebrate Yule. So that's another great resource that you can use to find some more information. If you're like planning not to like or decorate, you can always just listen to music. Festive or seasonal music could always work. Going back to my point earlier on reflection during this time because this time is the perfect time for reflection as we're going into like the darker days and the dark season um, and we're waiting for the warmer seasons to come. Reflection during this time is a, a great opportunity to see what you need to work on and maybe what didn't work for you uh, going into this new calendar year and into the spring and summer months because that way you have the opportunity to just kind of shed or let go of what didn't work for you, be that bad habits or relationships and what have you, and um, go into the new year with a more positive, lighter note. Yes, it can tie in with the whole idea of New Year's resolutions. I don't really like the whole resolution thing, but I think setting intentions is better than setting a resolution which you're gonna like stop going to the gym like a month after. 
set intentions rather than a specific fixed um, amount of things you need to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually come from a fitness and nutrition background where I worked in a gym for a period of time in my younger uh, years, in my early 20s. And um, resolutions is not something that I resonate with only because I've seen the cycle or the negative impact that it can have on an individual. So reframing that more so in just becoming more self-aware, essentially. And that's one of the practices that I do during this time of the year is just being more self-aware and kind of reflecting over the year and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't work and then altering as I need to moving forward. Yes, I totally agree with that. Setting up expectate like somewhat impossible expectations of yourself are gonna be broken, even if it's just once. Like you're obviously gonna not want to go to the gym or do something at some point in that year. So set intentions instead of almost impossible expectations. So I'm gonna like move us to a similar topic in which we're both in the northern hemisphere. So what are our listeners from the Southern Hemisphere going to do? Well, if you look at the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, they're reversed in what they celebrate. Right, so that would make it uh, Lithia in the Southern Hemisphere currently. So the, the, the things that they do to celebrate uh, currently wouldn't be Yule-based. They would be more based in Midsummer. Obviously. Um, I think I haven't read Year of the Witch by Temperance Alden, but she makes it clear that it's going to be different from everyone. Um, the climate and temperature and setting is obviously going to be different for everyone that's out of, outside the UK. Because the Wiccan Wheel of the Year is based on UK. Geographical location and hemisphere. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then um, going off of that, if that's what you meant... Um, it would be more based on the seasons and your ge geographic location and how you celebrate Yule. You could still bring some of those traditions, I think, over, but what uh, you incorporate is going to vary slightly, of course. So for me personally, I do like to change up my altar with the seasons, maybe not necessarily the holidays, but definitely with the seasons. So as Lance Lancel mentioned earlier, um, I started decorating my altar for the season and I recently dried some oranges to hang on my altar. Um, and I'll include uh, some color correspondence or sympathetic magic as well on my altar. So I like to include like pine or fir or some sort of evergreen on my altar during this time as well. For me, for my altar, I specifically decked out, even if I decked out both my altars, I change up the altar cloth for my ancestor altar to be green. So green obviously ties into the um, evergreens. I also added mini plastic like Christmas trees and I added dry laurel leaves since that corresponds to evergreen and Saturnalia. Yeah. Something that I did last year and that I'll probably do this year as well um, is burning candles with the color correspondence. And that's something that I like to do on um, winter solstice, so December 21st, let's say, um, I will burn both the corresponding candles on my altar for that. Um, okay, so takeaways. Oh yeah, takeaways. What would we even take away from this episode? I think it would be, if you're compelled to celebrate, celebrate. If you're not compelled to, don't. If you're in the southern hemisphere 
and you want to celebrate Lita instead of you, do that. If you want to do the opposite and celebrate you, see what vibes with you. Right, and mine's very similar in terms of the takeaway. Um, celebrate how you want to celebrate don't feel like you have to celebrate a certain way in relation to a certain religion or path. If you want to celebrate, you will celebrate in a way that resonates with you. Um, also, um, my takeaway from this is that there are a lot of crossovers between religions and traditions during this time of the year. Um, so just learning a little bit more about each will give you a broader picture of this time of year and the different things that you can do to honor Mother Earth or any gods or goddesses or traditions and paths that you may follow. The only laws enjoy hot chocolate. <laughs> mint hot chocolate. I never had mint hot chocolate. Oh my goodness, it's so good. I love it so much. Okay, so we did our takeaways. So again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Betty. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube at The Witch from the North. And I'm Lancel. You can find me on Instagram at Lancel the Island Witch. And you can find me on Twitter at Lancel the, that's T-H-E. And you can follow our page at Rosemary by the Bucketful Podcast on Instagram.